Good morning, all. Uh, I'm David Eldridge, and uh, today's scripture reading is from Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, thy comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Thank you, David. You guys doing all right? Good. Good morning. Hey, my name is Dallas. I'm one of the leaders here. If I haven't met you, I really would love the opportunity to meet you after the service and get to know you a little bit better. Let me tell you where we're at. We're in uh, the third part of our three-part Psalm 23 series. And if you missed the last couple weeks, I'm just going to get you caught up real quick. Uh, The first week we talked about how the Lord is our shepherd. And really, you don't get anywhere else in the passage If the Lord is not your shepherd, you could never say that you lack nothing if the Lord is not your shepherd. And we looked at John 10 and John 17, and we decided that that fullness of life is really found in knowing our shepherd more fully. And then last week we talked about how there's no such thing as a pitch black valley anymore if the Lord is your shepherd. That there will always be light, if the light of the world is the one we're following after, there will always be some light, even in the darkest valley. And that sort of leads us into verse 5, where he says, my cup overflows. And you don't really ever get to say, my cup overflows, if you can't walk through the darkest valley and fear no evil. And because now our cup overflows, now we have the opportunity, like we talked on Wednesday night a couple weeks ago, about how if our cup overflows, now we can let that overflow go into the lives of other people, can't we? I mean, there's no sense in letting our cup overflow into nothing. So the idea being, we want our cup to overflow into other people, and wouldn't it be great, by God's grace, if one day we let that cup overflow into even the lives of our enemies? I mean, that would truly be a good place to be for us as believers, wouldn't it? I mean, to be able to say we lack nothing and we don't have to hold anything, there's no strings attached, we can just let our cup overflow into the lives of others. Now, today we're going to be in verse 6 and conclude the passage. It says this, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, to be honest with you guys, earlier in the week I really struggled with this symbolism here. I mean, throughout the other parts of the passage, it's pretty easy. Like shepherd, green pastures, still waters, overflow, all these things are pretty easy. But why does goodness and mercy have to follow me? I mean, I understand the goodness and mercy being with me because if God is with me, then God's character, sure, accompanies that. And and I'm so glad that goodness and mercy are with me. But why does goodness and mercy have to follow me? And follow me all the days of my life. I mean, truth be told, I don't like to be followed. And I don't really know anybody who does like to be followed. In fact, 
if you follow somebody long enough, you get a restraining order against you. <laughs> you may even go to jail if you do it too long, right? In all my life, that's been one of my biggest fears is that somebody is following me. I mean, even as a kid, I remember I would always run up the steps, and in fact, I still do this to this day, skipping a step, just out of habit, not because I'm scared anymore, I don't think, but maybe I need to evaluate that one a little more closely. But, but I would like skip a step and run and like look backwards just to make sure nobody was following me, but you can't keep looking backwards because you've got to watch where you're going. And there could also be somebody waiting for you there at the top of the steps, so you have to run with your head on a swivel, you know, back and forth, back and forth. And so I would do that all the time, and I would be so scared all the time that somebody was following me. Anybody else have that fear? Wow, really? I'm alone here? Man, I can throw out the rest of this message because it has to do with that. But no, I mean, all my life I've just been afraid in that way of somebody following me. And David, it wasn't like me. I mean, I, I had really no reason to fear. It was all my imagination. But David... For him to write, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I mean, that's a big deal because he had so many people following him. In fact, even his own nation at one point is following after him. It probably feels like everybody is trying to chase him or follow after him. So how could he say, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life? Why not say, my enemies follow me, but God is with me. Because he just said that same thing in the darkest valley, right? He said, though I walk through the darkest valley, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. So why say goodness and mercy shall follow me? Well, I think this is where this psalm comes full circle for us here this morning. See, if the Lord is my shepherd and guiding me, that's where everything must start and end. And it's so good that while we're facing something that's dark, that he is with us. But we also have things in our lives that creep up on us, that follow after us. Now, that, sometimes that can be reality. Sometimes there can be very real things following after us. But sometimes it can be the big what ifs. What if my enemy comes after me again? What if I get sick and end up leaving my family behind? What if something happens to my spouse? What if I lose my job? What if I am condemned what if God is done with me because I can't seem to get it together? All these things follow after us. We might not be actively facing them, but they follow after us. And here's the thing. You cannot just simply ignore them. It's not enough to say, hey, don't worry about the things that are following after you. Don't you hate that when people say that? Hey, don't be anxious. Oh, okay. <laughs> Think about that. Thanks. Thanks for clearing that up. Right? It's not enough, is it? We have to replace that worry with something else. And so David sets that precedent when he says, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. And Jesus would set this precedent himself when he would say, hey, do not worry. It wasn't just do not worry. It was instead pray because you're doing something with that. So how do we not focus on all the realities or the what-ifs following me? Well, it's by recognizing that the Lord also follows after us. And that's critical. And not only does He follow us too, but He follows us much more closely behind than our enemies. He follows us with His hand upon our back. And when that's the case, when we realize that, 
then we understand that goodness and mercy are following me all the days of my life. There may be a period of time where my enemies are following after me, but if God is following after me more closely with his hand upon me, everything will be okay for all time. And David, man, he, he knew who God was, but he also knew how the human mind worked. I mean, he knew that you can really lump all of our big fears of the things that follow us really into two categories. Essentially this, that something bad is going to happen as it creeps up on us. Or two, that we've gone too far for God to forgive us and stay with us. Or that his love for us might change. So David says here, whenever I fear that bad things might happen, I remember that goodness is following me all the days of my life. Or when I feel condemned, when I feel like, you know what, it's my own strength and i got to just get it right, then he remembers that mercy is following him all the days of, of my life. And so for us, if we know that goodness and mercy are following us, then we can understand, you know what, if the enemy says, hey, you got to worry about so-and-so, hey, don't forget about this, don't forget about this thing following you, now our battle plan is to say, yeah, yeah, but goodness and mercy are following me all the days of my life. And God is following me much more closely. And see, that's so important for us to realize that, that in the dark valley, we need to know that he's with us. And he's got to be the one to guide us. But also, we've got to have protection from the back. And that's why David ends the psalm this way. To say, goodness and mercy are following me. Because now he's got protection from the backside. Um, in football... The left tackle is the most important position on the offensive line. Now, for a long time, NFL teams didn't know this. Uh, they really thought about, you know, protecting the quarterback in front of them, but that would all change on, on one day and one hit. Lawrence Taylor would come around the backside. There's a quarterback. He's going back to throw like this, and from his blind side on the back, Lawrence Taylor would hit Joe Theismann and hurt him very, very badly. And since that time, NFL teams said, hey, we got to make sure our quarterback is protected from behind. That it is important from the front, just like the Lord is our shepherd and he guides us. He goes on the path that we're on in our front, but we also need protection from behind. And so that's why David says that. That's why this psalm comes full circle here with David. He's saying, the Lord is my shepherd. He guides me. The Lord is with me and the Lord follows after me. I have full protection when God is with me. I am protected and flanked on all sides. Nothing can creep in the front, the side, or the back when he's protecting every side of me. Psalm 139.5, it's also a psalm of David. He says this, you hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Man, that's probably one of the best verses we could commit to memory right there. See, we don't need to know even who's following us. I mean, wouldn't it be a great place to be where we don't even bother to think about the things that are following us anymore because we're so focused on the fact that God has got me hemmed in from the front and behind and he goes with me all the days of my life. Anything else beyond that is just simply irrelevant. David also says this in Psalm 31, 13 through 15. He says, For I hear many whispering, terror on every side. 
They conspire against me and plot to take my life. But I trust you, Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. Deliver me from the hands of my enemies, from those who pursue me. So you see that. Terror on every side. My enemies are following after me. They're coming from every which way. But I trust you, my Lord. It's all in your hands. See, as Christians, the enemy might be close by, but God is always, always, always closer. Always. He understood this. In fact, uh, Jesus says in John 10, 28, he says, I give them life, and ain't nobody going to snatch them out of my hands. That's the East Tennessee translation right there. But that's so true, isn't it? That if, if he's got us flanked and protected from every side, everything will be okay. There's no reason to fear for all the days of our lives. It reminds me, uh, when I was about eight years old, I would go to work with my dad sometimes. And um, his office was kind of boring, no offense, Dad, but I would go to another building, you know, close by. They, they had two buildings there, and the other building was like a gym. So I would go in there and play or go out to the playground and play and stuff like that. And um, there was this kid who lived in the area. He was like five or six years older than me, and he was such a bully. I mean, he would he just follow me and just like taunt me all the time. And I... I wouldn't tell my dad about it, I think because I was just kind of ashamed of the whole thing happening. Well, one day, my dad hears this kid taunting me. And he runs out there and he starts saying words I didn't even know were in his vocabulary. <laughs> getting on to him real, you know, big time and everything. And, and he, you know, he stayed pretty cautious there moving forward with this other kid. And so I'd go to the other building and he would say, you know, the first couple times he'd say, I'll follow you over there. And man, instead of me walking around in shame, I started like strutting out there, man. I was like, I was like, my dad is following after me. Like, come on. Like, you want to come say something now? My dad's here with me. And that's really kind of the whole point, isn't it? That peace isn't when our enemies stop pursuing us. Because there will always be something. And maybe it's not even active. Maybe it's just in our imagination. Maybe it's just a what if. What if this thing starts following after me? We will never find peace in the absence of enemies following after us. The only way we find peace is knowing that God, too, is following after us. And he's got his hand upon us. So critical for us. See, David had this wide view lens that he ends with here. Have you noticed this? The big perspective. He says, all the days of my life and forever are the terms he uses. See, he knew what it was to be chased to have abundance, to have comfort, to always, uh, his comfort always came, not from the situation, but with who was with him. And that's so crucial for us to realize. And so he could say, hey, my worst realities could come true. My worst nightmares, everything, all that could come true. But at the end of the day, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I mean, the temporary, it could pass away Somebody could harm my body. Somebody could do their worst. But at the end of the day, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, no matter what. And now the enemy can't really do much with that mentality, can he? When I mean, you think about the Apostle Paul, same thing, when he says to live as Christ, to die as gain. He says, oh, you're going to kill me? Okay, well, threatening me with heaven really isn't that big of a threat. <laughs> I'm actually looking forward to that. I'd rather do that. 
Okay, well, we're going to keep you alive. Okay, great. That's fruitful labor for me. There's purpose in that. I can't wait to live on mission. That's going to be great. Okay, but Paul, we're going to put you in jail. Okay, well, I'll just write letters about Jesus and, and convert your prison guards. I mean, let's go. There's nothing you could do with Paul. Why? Because I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Goodness and mercy are following me. He's got my front, he's got my side, and he's got my back. Everything will be okay for all time. In Matthew 10, Jesus says, Hey, don't fear the one who can harm the body and cannot touch your soul. Guys, do you realize, and I'm kind of stepping on the next series, but do you realize how valuable our soul is? I mean, the enemy is always attacking but yet God is always protecting our soul. It's so valuable. And I think we've got to realize that as we go. And man, the world, Jesus says, man, they just labor and spin. And they just freak out. And they run after all these things to protect the body. But man, have the bigger picture in mind. We will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, no matter what. So, as we close out this series, we should know that God's hand will be on our back for all time. And our game plan now is to say, you know, the enemy might say, yeah, but what about death creeping on your door? What about so-and-so that's coming up? What if blank happens? And we can say, yeah, yeah, but also, <laughs> I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And goodness and mercy are following me all the days of my life. Um, Friday. It was Friday when I made this connection. I catch on slow sometimes. I mean, let's be honest, right? God was trying to tell me to take this job for like six months, and I was like, no. it's." But Friday, um, I'm sitting there, and I just make this connection on the series that I just didn't make. That week one, we talked about how the Lord is our shepherd. So he is guiding us. He's in our front, guiding us. And then last week, we talked about how in the darkest valley, he is with us, and that's really our comfort. So he's at our side. And then this week, he is following behind us. So every which way, we have protection for all time. And now we truly can live a life without lack forevermore. I mean, I want us really to just leave this series believing that reality a little bit more deeply. That, yeah, if the Lord is my shepherd, then I truly do lack nothing. Because it's so true. It's so true. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the reality of your word and thank you for the example of David that just, man, he just finds all his freedom, all his liberation, all his comfort, all his peace, everything in you because that is where peace is found. And so help us to be a people that really just find our peace in the right area because there's all these other things that the enemy distracts with like, man, if I just get this place in my career, man, if I just raise good kids, if I just do all these different things, then I'll experience peace. Man, just help us to know that like peace is truly the fact that you have us hemmed in front and back. You are with us wherever we go, and everything will be okay for all time if our shepherd is guiding us everywhere. Father, help that to be the reality within our church, within our own hearts. And Father, I pray that you'll continue this movement that you've started. God, we know you're capable. Man, I mean, you know, you see things going on or whatever in the culture, but like we know who you are. We just do, and we call on you to do a move once again. We love you very much. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, the altars are open. Uh, if you need to respond in that way.
Let's worship together.